0: the plant, a steampunk story, by Francis Rosenfeld. Chapter 2. His mum wasn't in the house, so he went straight to the bathroom to put some toothpaste on the burn on his arm. Every single surface in the room was spotless and not a single object was out of place, which reminded Richard that he would be wise to keep it that way. Carol was a cleaning fanatic and gave the children the mother of all guilt trips if they made a mess, and her lectures on disrespect and parental disappointment could last for hours, depending on the amount of dirt and disorder that had been generated. By now all of the children would rather scrub the floors with their own toothbrushes than have to listen to one of those discourses again, all of course, except Teddy, whose young age gave him the benefit of an excuse to the older sibling's silent grudge. Richard put the cap back on the toothpaste and placed it back in the drawer, exactly as he had found it. He looked at himself in the mirror, as always wishing he was blessed by nature with a bigger build. Despite his wishes to enjoy bodybuilding activities, he just couldn't stand working out, and he found the amount of time it required in order to get visible results simply revolting. He got easily bored by repetitive activities and concluded that he had better things to do with his time. To circumvent the unpleasantness of physical strain he became a big fan of any and all gadgets, diets and techniques that promised to yield results with no effort at all and had tried every one of them at some point in time with constantly disappointing results. His stringy body seemed to absorb the shock of lifting weights and distribute it in waves through his long and slender limbs rather than bulk up to withstand it. No amount of food managed to put more meat on his bones, it only seemed to make him grow taller and more wiry. He drew his mother nuts during his pasta period, when he ingested vast amounts of the aforementioned food, only to notice, to his dismay, that it went straight through him, without leaving anything behind. Unfortunately for him he was taking after his mother, a slender woman with small bones and delicate features, whose weight hadn't budged an ounce even after giving birth to four children, and who could never open a jar of pickles by herself. He was relieved to also have inherited her height, she was relatively tall, and her glorious head of hair, dark, thick and shiny, a beauty feature she nurtured almost religiously, despite a schedule that seemed to leave her no time for herself. Richard was also happy to have inherited his mother's almost superhuman constitution. In the 14 years he had been alive he couldn't remember her suffering from a single cold, pain or sniffle, it sometimes felt like she possessed immunity to disease in general, and she often liked to joke that she couldn't find the time to get sick. Carol used to be a stunning beauty in her youth, when her alabaster skin and her small frame gave her an air of vulnerability that was almost impossible to resist by anyone with a protective streak. She had huge brown eyes that always seemed to be shrouded in a veil of tears, even when she was happy, the strange effect of her overactive lacrimal glands. Her frail, helpless look was deceiving, because she was a practical, cool-headed woman, always in control. The household became her unchallenged fiefdom very shortly after her marriage, and over it she reigned supreme. None of the family members ever thought of questioning her rule, from the right way to stock groceries in the pantry to the proper alignment of towels in the bathroom. Tom, her husband, had decided not to fight a losing battle over the way the household was run, since Carol seemed to have it handled to perfection standards, so he negotiated a hard-won autonomy over the garage, where he kept his tools, and he retreated there when the racket of a four-child household weighed too heavily on his nerves the predicament of starched lace curtains and embroidered tea cozies hadn't been helped by the fact that their first two born were girls, which gave Carol a reason to step up the flower, candy pastels and ruffles theme, with occasional accents of ballet recitals and make-believe fashion shows. When Richard was born, Tom was so grateful to have acquired an ally in this predominantly female household that he didn't even care that the new man of the house was quite a few years too young to throw a ball. From the moment little Richard learned to walk and talk his father always kept him close when he fixed stuff around the house or when he worked on the car, proud to teach his son skills he was sure will serve him well one day. More than a decade later, the family was surprised with another addition, but by this time the girls were almost finished with high school and Richard was a teenager, so Carol decided to pour all her dedication into the new baby boy, which left very little room for anyone else. In all fairness, Teddy was moody and opinionated, and putting up with his whims and tantrums could test the patience of a saint. So, at least for now, the eldest son was it, his father's helper, and trusted confidant and the sole beneficiary of his life's wisdom. Richard turned off the lights in the bathroom and ran upstairs to the attic to spend some time in his room. He liked his room a lot, even though by any standards it would have been considered small. His father didn't miss any opportunity to regale the family with the story of how he had converted that unused portion of the attic all by himself, with only his own two hands, a few good tools and a scrawny budget at his disposal. The craftsmanship was indeed admirable, Tom couldn't make something substandard if someone put a gun to his head, his lifetime of experience in manufacturing didn't allow him to. The room was a little dark because of the dense tree foliage that grew in front of its only window, tucked inside a deep dormer. Right underneath, a storage bench covered with a soft mat and pillows was Richard's favorite retreat, the place where he could find some peace and quiet, and also the birthplace of many of his ideas. Across the room from it, his father had customized built-in shelving to cover the entire wall, shelving that was by now overflowing with books and stuffed beyond capacity. Right next to it, built as an afterthought, stood his undersized clothes closet, which couldn't hold enough apparel for a cat, he thought. His mother always scolded him for not keeping the closet neat and tidy, but even she had to admit that it was an impossible task. The walls were made of smooth wood planks, with just a coat of clear stain to protect them, and between the wood finish on the walls and the exposed rafter ties, the room felt warm and cozy, like a vacation cabin in the woods. On one of the walls, surrounded by ninja posters, gleamed a very ornate oval mirror with a gilded frame, heavily carved. Richard had protested the addition, of course, but it seems there was no room for it anywhere else in the house, and his mother insisted that everybody had to have a way to check themselves before they got out in public, regardless of their gender. Then she went on a tangent about the dreadful state of his hair, commented on the length of his fingernails and sent him to change his shirt, so he decided that keeping that ridiculous mirror in his room was a small price to pay to avoid having this discussion on a regular basis. The only things that really bothered him about his room were a very noisy plumbing stack that couldn't be relocated and had to stay in one of the corners, and whose noise used to keep him up at night before he got used to it, and the fact that the wiring was a little temperamental, which made his lights flicker every time it rained. He still loved it when it rained and a myriad little fingers rapping on the roof lulled his mind to sleep. He jumped on his bed, neatly tucked under the roof slope, grabbed his headphones and turned on the music. An explosion of cymbals, drums and tormented guitars blasted through his ears with painful intensity. He closed his eyes and immersed himself in the music for a while, chasing away every thought he considered useless, to concentrate on the fact that there was a plant that could grow inside the factory, inside a pipe filled with steam running at three atmospheres and 350 degrees, and his mind was twisting and turning, wondering if he should tell somebody about it. Then he figured it wasn't worth his inconvenience and it wasn't his responsibility either, since somebody will notice it eventually and the grown-ups should be able to figure out where the plant came from. On the other hand, he worried that meant he would never find out how things turned out unless he figured out a way to encourage his father to share more of those boring stories from work the latter felt the need to tell everybody at dinner, but then he risked the pain of having to sit through a completely unrelated story and not get any of the details he actually wanted to learn. He mulled these thoughts inside his head, while the music amplified to deafening crescendos, not even realizing how long he had been laying there until he felt the hand of his oldest sister, Diane, grab his shoulder. He took his headphones off, but the noise level didn't subside. Teddy was throwing a temper tantrum and their mother, in a calm tone of voice that sounded surreal under the circumstances, was trying to put an end to it. Are you kidding me? His sister screamed to cover the ruckus. I called your name a million times. How is it that you can still hear with those blasting out in your ears? Where is my biology textbook? She started the interrogation and my scientific calculator. I didn't take it. Richard started, his genuine revolt stunted by the presence of a very large and colorful biology manual looming large from across the room. There it is. I can't believe you took it. How many times do I have to tell you not to touch my things? She protested, livid, her voice almost drowned by Teddy's screams. I'm sure you have my calculator too, don't tell me you didn't take it, you always take my things without asking. Mom, she yelled. Her mother replied with something that sounded like an answer from the other room, and the withdrawal of her attention, if only for a second, made Teddy wail even more enthusiastically, reaching vibration frequencies that Richard was sure could break glass. What do you need with my biology manual anyway? You can't understand the material, it's senior high school stuff, you just do this to spite me, you hateful brat, she harangued. Take your stupid manual, see if I care. Richard screamed back, secretly irritated that he hadn't had the chance to look inside the book yet, to see if he could find any answers for the current scourge plaguing his scientific curiosity. Then he consoled himself with the thought that on Saturdays the children were usually encouraged to visit the library and pick up some good reading for the following week, and he was sure he would find plenty of reference material there, better than his sister's precious manual, anyway. Where is my scientific calculator? his sister pressed on. I don't know. Leave me alone, he yelled, and left his room, slamming the door behind him. His mother, who had miraculously managed to settle little Teddy into a more amenable mood, signaled to Richard to stop making noise, and despite the fact that the boy knew about his mother's peculiar medical condition, seeing her eyes veiled by tears still filled him with guilt every single time, so he conceded the fight, although he was sure he was the one with the valid grievance. His other sister, Stacy, who at the time was parading around the house, trying on way too many pairs of pumps for her homecoming party, ran into him in the corridor and almost stepped on his foot, which made Richard wonder why they made women's shoes so uncomfortable and what the heck was the benefit of spending time to decide between ten virtually identical pairs of black pumps. He passed her by and gave her a disapproving look, which was interpreted as hostile, so she immediately went to their mother to complain. There is no room to breathe in this house, I swear they are like a popcorn pack that just started expanding, I have to get out of here before I get squashed into the walls. He let his imagination run wild, and the fantastic imagery gave him even more reasons to skip out to the library early, just to escape the craziness. The library was always quiet, oh, what heavenly bliss, but never empty, and by the time he found the biology section and pulled out all the reference material he wanted to take to the study area and research in peace, he'd already run into a couple of his teachers, three of his friend's parents and the charming owner of the malt shop down the street. They all stopped to engage in conversation, naturally, and expressed curiosity about his sudden interest in plants and biology. Everyone in turn suggested that his class teacher was probably a wonderful resource for whatever questions he might have, and asked what he wanted to know, in the hope that maybe they could be of assistance. Richard thanked them politely, mentioning that he was just browsing through a couple of books to pass the time until his sisters got there, quietly cussed the blasted curiosity of the town folk and wondered how hard it would be for everybody to just mind their damned business. The books he picked up shed no light on the plant in the factory, but offered an answer as to why it looked so familiar, from a distance it was almost indistinguishable from a broad variety of plant life, belonging to various families and genera, all with unpronounceable Latin designations and growing all over the world. He shrugged, annoyed, put the books on the reshelving cart and went back to the section on mechanics to double-check some details for his latest project. He found a little illustrated book on bioreactors and pored over it for a few hours, happy to enjoy a little quiet for a change.